I'd like you to join me in your Bibles in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I don't view it as an accident that on this Super Bowl Sunday, we have landed in a passage that deals with boasting. There's a lot of ego in football. There's a lot of boasting in football. Fans boast, players boast, owners boast. It's fitting that the Super Bowl is being held in a new stadium in Arlington, Texas that Pat Summerall referred to as Jerry Jones' memorial to himself. Texans are especially notorious for boasting. Heard about a New Englander who was in San Antonio for the first time and he asked a native, what's that dilapidated looking ruin over there? The proud Texan replied, well that's the Alamo. In that building, 136 Texans held off an army of 15,000 of Santa Ana's regulars for four days. Mm Mm-hmm. And who was that man on horseback on the hill over there? That's a statue of the Texas Ranger. He killed 46 Apaches in single-handed combat and broke up 27 riots in his lifetime. Where are you from, stranger? I'm from Boston. We have our heroes there, too. Paul Revere, for instance, Paul Revere, snorted the Texan. Wasn't he the one that had to ride for help? (laughs) Texans are notorious for boasting, but they don't have the corner on boasting. And though they may claim to have originated boasting, they did not. It actually goes all the way back to the beginning. In fact, the first sin didn't happen in the garden. The first sin happened in heaven. It's recorded in Isaiah 14 where Lucifer, the star of the morning, stuck out his angel chest and said, I will make myself like the Most High. The first sin by a human being happened when Satan tempted Eve by appealing to her ego. He said, if you disobey God and eat the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. The first sin was an inflated ego. And we have been suffering from ego inflation ever since. Paul started the church in Corinth. He has now been gone for a few years and in his absence, pastors Teachers, leaders have come along who are commending themselves, who are bragging about themselves, who are elevating themselves by criticizing Paul. And so Paul makes a statement at the close of chapter 10 that we all need to take to heart in verse 17. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. That's a verse you ought to frame and put over your TV in your man cave. Verse 17 is really a Reader's Digest version of two verses in Jeremiah. And I want you to leave 2 Corinthians this morning and go back to Jeremiah chapter 9. In Jeremiah chapter 9. We see the expanded version in verses 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, 
And let not the mighty man boast of his might. And let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. This verse indicates there are two kinds of boasting. The first is delusive boasting. I call it delusive because boasting is an effort to misrepresent yourself. You say, well, I've always heard if it's true, it ain't boasting. Well, even if it is true, it's still boasting. And the truth is, it ain't true. Because if it was true, you wouldn't have to talk about it. Someone has wisely said, tell me what you brag about, and I will tell you what you lack. You see, it's an effort to mislead others into thinking you are someone you're not. But in reality, it's not delusive, it's delusional. Because the only person you're fooling is yourself. We all do it, but it's easier to spot in other people. You know how it works. If you tell a joke, somebody else in the group tells a funnier joke. If you talk about your trip to New York, they said they just went to Paris. If you cut off your finger, they cut off their arm. If you had a car wreck, they crashed their helicopter. I was searching online for some examples of uh, boasting, and I came across uh, YouTube uh, highlights of Saturday Night Live. Now, I don't watch Saturday Night Live because I'm getting ready for Sunday Morning Live, but uh, there's a character on there called Penelope. She inserts herself uninvited into conversation, twists her hair, and is a chronic braggart. In one episode, the guy says, I'm going to work out at my health club. It's a 24-hour fitness club. And she speaks up and says, I'm going to work out at my club. It's a 25, 26, 28-hour fitness club. And I work out 28 hours a day. Someone says, next week I'm going to Hawaii to spend a couple weeks there. And she says, so I'm going to Hawaii, and I'm going to like spend four, six, maybe 20 weeks there. I'm flying first class. She jumps in and says, so I'm flying best class in a private jet all by myself. He says, I'm taking my dad with me. And she says, well, my biological father is George Washington, and he's on the $1 bill. And I'm on the $1 bill. That's my eye on the pyramid. (laughs) Boasting is an obnoxious sin. It's one of those sins we hate in other people, but we often allow it to go unchecked in ourselves. Someone has said that boasting, which is rooted in pride, is the only sickness known to man that makes everyone sick except the one who has it. Here are a few of the prominent symptoms. You're self-deceived. Many college freshmen are asked to fill in surveys and questionnaires, and on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the worst, 10 being the best, they are often asked to rate things like driving ability, leadership ability, athletic ability, ability to get along with others. 
in those questionnaires, the vast majority give themselves nines and tens. That's not just the case with 18-year-olds. That's the default position for most of us. We have a self-evaluating bias. We are prone to self-deception. Second symptom is you're self-absorbed. Let me ask you a personal question. Don't answer out loud. When you're on the phone with a family member or friend, who does most of the talking? And who does most of the listening? And when you realize you've dominated the conversation, do you say, I've been spending all the time talking about me. It's your turn. What do you think about me? (laughs) Self-absorbed. Third symptom, you're self-justifying. I know that sounded like boasting, but they needed to know who they're dealing with. I know I dominated the conversation, but I've got young kids at home and I don't get out much. I don't know if you realize it or not, but I'm a pretty big deal. If you were me, you would realize that it's hard to be humble. What's your excuse? You see, there's no justification for boasting. It's just wrong. Here's a tip. If you start sentences with, I don't want to brag, but you are. Now, what do we typically brag about? What do we boast about? Well, God mentions three areas in verse 23. Number one, he says, don't boast about your brains. Look at verse 23. Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Are you quick to flash your degrees, your credentials? Call me doctor. I've got a master's, call me master. Do you love it when the conversation goes over to ACT scores or SAT scores so you can announce yours? Chuck Swindoll once said, get a great education and then get over it. You probably heard the old joke, but I use them anyway, about the pastor, the scientist, and the Boy Scout who were on a private plane. The plane experienced some mechanical problems in flight, and the pilot came back into the cabin and said, the plane is going down. Unfortunately, we only have three parachutes, and there are four of us. The pilot said, I should have one of the parachutes because I've got a wife and two kids, so he put it on and jumped out of the plane. The scientist said, well, I should have one of the parachutes because I'm the smartest man in the world and everybody needs my intelligence. So he put on one of the parachutes and jumped out of the plane. The pastor looked at the Boy Scout and said, I've lived a long life. I know the Lord. I'm ready to die. You take the last parachute and jump out and I'll go down with the plane. And the Boy Scout said, relax, pastor. The smartest man in the world just jumped out with my backpack. Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. 
I heard about a university with a strong academic standing, but they had a notoriously lousy football team. And tired of being beaten again and again and again, the students made signs and raised them up in the stands. They read, you may beat us today, but you will work for us tomorrow. And then they adapted the Queen song into a cheer, we will, we will hire you. If we can't brag about one thing, we will compensate. Brag about something else. You ever find yourself saying, he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer? You ever find yourself saying, she doesn't have both oars in the water? Stop boasting about how smart you think you are. Second area, don't boast about your brawn. Look at verse 23 again. And let not the mighty man boast about his might. The Bible character that most men want to be like today is Samson. We like to build our muscles, show off our guns, brag about our strength. We tend to idolize the athletes who are the fastest, the biggest, the strongest, and we overlook their personal life and their character. Our culture is so obsessed with muscles that we have contests to judge who is the most defined muscle man, who is the most defined muscle woman. Merv Griffin was the original talk show host before Johnny Carson, Oprah, David Letterman, he was once interviewing a professional bodybuilder and he asked him, why do you develop those particular muscles? And in response, the bodybuilder flexed those muscles. And Merv said, no, I mean, what do you use those particular muscles for? And again, the bodybuilder flexed those muscles. And Merv said, no, I asked you what you use them for. And the bodybuilder was bewildered because he didn't have an answer. You see, the only reason he developed those muscles was to show them off. He was proud of his strength. Reminds me of the two boys who were bragging about their dads. My dad makes more money than your dad. No, he doesn't. My dad is faster than your dad. Uh Uh-uh. My dad can beat up your dad. That's nothing. My mom can beat up my dad. You know, bragging is not limited to physical power. We brag about our powerful title, our influence, our connections. When I was a kid, we actually played games that involved going outside and doing something that didn't have batteries. We would often play a game called King of the Hill. Simply find a pile of dirt, you get up on top, and you stand there and you say, I am the King of the Hill. And then all your friends tried to dethrone you, and they became king of the hill. It was great fun. But the sad thing is that many of us grow up and still play it. We still find our little hills, and we stand on them, and we say, I am the king of my hill. Your hill may just be your life. You stand on your life, whatever accomplishments you have in life, whatever you have accumulated in life, and you say, I am the king of my life. 
Maybe you are boasting in your strength by saying, I am self-reliant. I can handle life. I can control my destiny. I don't need God. In an old movie called Shenandoah, Jimmy Stewart played a hardened farmer. And in one scene, he led his family in prayer at the dinner table. He said, Lord, we plowed the field. We planted the field. We harvested the crop. We cooked it, and we put it on the table. It wouldn't be here if it weren't for our hard work, but we thank you for it anyway. Amen. Don't brag about your brawn. And then thirdly, don't boast about your bucks. Look at the end of verse 23. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. You know, it's easy to brag about money because it's so measurable. You can count it. It's easy to keep score. And the more we get, the more tempting it becomes to brag about how much we've got and then to look down at others who have less. Honey, we're finally in the upper middle class Good. I was hoping we'd get some class. Jerry Clower had a good definition of upper crust. He called it a few crumbs held together by a little dough. It's nice that our money says in God we trust, but it's almost laughable because the reality is In our money, we trust. So often, we trust in our bank account. Don't brag about your money because it can be here today and gone tomorrow. Someone has said, money talks. The only thing my money says is bye-bye. Since I'm picking on Texas, a man from Texas was driving a Volkswagen Beetle. He pulled up next to a guy at a light in a Rolls Royce. Their windows were open, so he yells at the guy in the Rolls and says, Hey, have you got a telephone in that Rolls? He says, Of course I do. Texan says, I got one too, see? It's very nice. Texan says, You got a fax machine? Why, actually, yes, I do. I do too, see? Light's about to turn green, and the Texan leans over, says, do you have a double bed in the back there? The guy in the rolls replies, no. Uh, Do you? Yeah, I got a double bed right in the back here. The light turns green, and the Volkswagen takes off, and the guy in the rolls is not to be one-upped by a Texan. So he takes his rolls to the shop and has a double bed installed in the back. Drives around town looking for that guy in the Volkswagen. Finally, he sees the Volkswagen parked on the side of the road. He pulls up next to him. He gets out. He goes up to the window. The windows are all fogged up. So he felt a little awkward. He knocks on the window. Knocks again. Knocks again. Finally, the man in the Volkswagen 
opens the window a crack, peeks out. The guy with a roll says, hey, you remember me? Yeah, yeah, I remember you. What's up? Check this out. I got a double bed installed in my rolls. And the Texan said, you mean you got me out of the shower to tell me that? Jesus said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You cannot keep score with your bank account. When you have made money, you have not made it. Ask the rich farmer in Luke 12. He had plans to tear down his barns and build bigger ones to store all his stuff. If you had asked him, he would say, I'm a winner. But God spoke to him and said what? You are a fool. It's foolish to brag about your brains. It's foolish to brag about your brawn. It's foolish to brag about your bucks, because every blessing in life comes from God. You could stroke out today and have no brain cells. You could have a heart attack this afternoon and have no strength. You could go bankrupt tomorrow and have no money. There's a great verse in Isaiah 10, 15 kind of puts this whole thing in perspective. It says, is the axe to boast itself over the one who chops with it? Or is the saw to exalt itself over the one who wields it? If you used a saw to cut a board, how absurd would it be for the saw to brag about it? If you used an axe to cut a cord of firewood, how ridiculous would it be For the axe to say, look what I did. Without a carpenter, what can a saw do? Nothing. And without the carpenter from Nazareth, how much can you do? Jesus said, without me, you can do what? Nothing. That doesn't leave any room for bragging. But there is something that you and I can brag about. And that's the second point in the outline. Delightful boasting. Look at verse 24. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. There is a kind of boasting that God is pleased with. There is a kind of boasting that God delights in, and the prerequisite for this boasting is knowing God. Now, I want you to notice something. He doesn't say knowing about God. He says knowing God. There is an eternal difference between knowing about God and knowing God. 
I know about Albert Pujols. He's my favorite player. He plays on the Cardinals. I know his stats. His wife is named Deidre. He has four kids. He started orphanages in the DR. But if you ask me, do you know Albert? I say no. Do you know about God? Or do you know God? Knowing about God is religion. Knowing God is a relationship. How do you know God? How do you come to know God? Well, let me give you a few directives. Number one, let God be God. Most people will tell you that they believe in God. But in the very next breath, they will say, I don't believe God would do that. My God wouldn't send people to hell. My God is too loving to get angry at sin. What are they really telling you? They're telling you that their God thinks like them, reacts like them, and agrees with everything they say. That's a convenient God to have. You see, the reality is when you have that kind of God, you have made God in your image rather than realizing that you are made in God's image. You see, if Albert called me this afternoon and invited me over to watch the Super Bowl and said, Dan, I want you to be my best friend, I wouldn't show up, sit down and say, Albert, let me tell you who you are. No, if I'm going to really know Albert, I have to let him tell me who he is. And if you're going to know God, you have to let God be God. Second, first you have to let God be God. Second, you have to be where God is. You don't get to know anybody if you're in their, unless you're in their presence. You need to get into the presence of God. How do you do that? Several ways. One, the first is Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So if you're going to know God, you get to know him through the personification of God in Jesus Christ. That's a given. Secondly, be around his family. Spend time around people who know God if you're going to come to know God. Thirdly, Listen to him. Where is God speaking? He's written a whole book to you. Open his word and listen to God. Listen to God as he he speaks through his people, as he speaks through those who are gifted to teach his word. Be where God is speaking. And then fourthly, be where God hangs out. You know where God hangs out? It may surprise you. You know where God hangs out? God says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. In other words, when God watches the Super Bowl, puts his feet on the earth. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, but to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. Where does God hang out? He hangs out with the broken. He hangs out with the humble 
The Bible says God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if you want to be where God is, don't fight your way to the top. Get to the bottom because that's where he is. Some of you go through trials and you lose things in life and it's God's plan to get you to the bottom so you'll come down to where he is so that you'll humble your heart and truly listen as he speaks to you. Where does God hang out? He hangs out with the broken, the contrite, the humble. Let God be God. Be where God is. Thirdly, be willing to change. You're not going to know God without changing. It's not going to happen. God doesn't meet you halfway. God takes you from the bottom and he lifts you all the way to where he is and he changes you from who you were into who he is. He gives you a new heart, a new mind, a new life, a new destiny. The Bible says old things are passed away. In fact, the Bible says you are passed away, the old you, and you become a new person. You see, God isn't involved in restoration. He's not involved in that. He's involved in resurrection. He makes you an altogether new person. So if you don't get anything else today, get this. At the heart of knowing God is humble surrender. I let go of my wisdom. I let go of my strength. I let go of my riches, and I take hold of his wisdom, his strength, in his provision. You say, well, Dan, then what do I have to brag about? Well, if you read this verse, it almost sounds like I get to brag about knowing God. And there are people that brag about knowing God. And they're as obnoxious as you get. But let me clue you in. If you truly know God, there's nothing for you to brag about. You can't brag and say, you know, I was bright enough to figure out the gospel. You know what it says? Read 1 Corinthians 1. It says that human wisdom actually alienates you from God so that the way you come to God is through foolishness. In fact, it says God chose the foolish in order to shame the wise. So if you know God, guess what you get to brag about? You're foolish. There's nothing to brag about in knowing God. I have to humble myself to come to know God. People want to brag and say, I was good enough to know God. I worked my way up to a certain level, and he said, what are you doing up here? I think I'll get to know you. No, the Bible says, there is none good, no, not one. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest what? Lest any man should boast. You didn't do anything to accomplish your salvation, so you have no reason to brag. You're not going to get to heaven and strut around and say, Look at me, look at how I got here. No, you're going to get to heaven the same way everybody else does, through the cross of Jesus Christ that you were broken and you let go of everything else and you came to the foot of the cross and you surrendered in humility to Jesus Christ and said, he did it all and I did nothing. 
You see, knowing God leaves no room to brag. So what do you get to brag about? Look at verse 24 again. Look at the end of the verse. That I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Last part of that verse is all about God. It's not about you. All our boasting is in Him. All our boasting is in what He has done for us that we don't deserve. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Philippians chapter 3. And in that chapter, Paul says, If anyone could boast in the flesh, I more. And then he lists all his accomplishments that he has. He was circumcised the eighth day, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee. When it came to the law, he says, I was blameless. He lists all these accomplishments and says, if you want to brag on a fleshly basis as to who's most righteous, it's me. I could out-brag you. And then he says, I, I take that whole list of accomplishments and I consider them to be dung, which means horse manure. I don't know what you do with horse manure, but in my house we flush it. Paul says, I take all my accomplishments, all the things that would bring me praise, and I consider it poop, and I get rid of it in view of knowing Christ. I'll take all that stuff and I throw it away in order that I may gain Christ. Why? Because all of those things get in your way when it comes to knowing God. You have to turn from your accomplishments. You have to humble yourself and say, God, I have nothing to offer you. I come broken. I come humble. I'm depending on what Jesus did for me and nothing else. Paul said it this way in Galatians 6. May it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. What do I boast about? The cross. Nothing else. There's nothing else I have to boast about except the cross of Jesus Christ where he transformed me from sinner to saint, from unrighteous to righteous. That was Jesus' work, and he gets all the praise. He gets all the glory. I boast about him. On the morning after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the little donkey awoke He was still savoring the memory of the most exciting day of his life. He strutted into Jerusalem anticipating a certain response. But as he made his way through the streets, he began to ask himself, why aren't the crowds noticing me? Why aren't they laying the palm branches down in front of me? Why aren't they laying their coats down in the street?" Hurt and confused, he went home and asked his mother. And she said, don't you realize that without Jesus, you're just an ordinary donkey? Let me ask you the same question. Do you realize that without Jesus, you're just an ordinary donkey? You are designed to lift up Jesus. 
Your greatest purpose in life is to lift up Jesus. When you are lifting up Jesus, you are fulfilling your purpose. And without him, you have nothing to boast about. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. You see, my goal when I really come to know him is not to make me known. It's to make him known. What do you have to brag about? One thing. Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for you on the cross of Calvary. That's a humbling statement, but that's the reality. Have the praise team come back, and we're going to finish with some worship. And as we do, I want you to let God shine his light in your heart today. And especially shine it on your ego today. Say, God, I need you to humble me today. I need you to break me today in some areas in my life so that I have a proper perspective of who you are and a proper perspective of who I am in your presence today. Let's humble ourselves as we close our service today.